Well, good morning, guys. So, hope you guys had a great New Year's Eve last night, and I'm so glad you're here today. I don't know about you guys, I didn't even watch the ball drop or anything else because the football was just too good last night. <laughs> so, and it was crazy how the football game ended right at midnight. So, um, uh, I had a good time watching football yesterday. I hope you guys uh, are ready to kind of launch into the new year, and that's really what we're talking about um, as we start a brand new sermon series today. And uh, uh, we just had one service today, so if you showed up at 9.15, I apologize. Uh, we tried to get the word out, but it's always, uh, always hard to do that. But um, the, usually the, the week after Christmas is like one of the lowest attended Sundays of the year. And on a, on a, here lately, especially the last few months, if everybody showed up, we wouldn't be able to fit in here. Um, so, um, I, you know, kind of was anticipating a little bit lower turnout, but it's still awesome to see so many people here today. So um, I'm glad we kind of went to one service that gives our volunteers a little bit of a, a break as we head into to, to this year. But um, we're, we're going to start this new series today. Before I do that, though, I want to talk a little bit more about our Christmas offering. And um, the reason I want to talk about that is it's just something I get so excited about every year. We here at Cornerstone, we take up a special offering at the end of the year that we use to uh, just to, to be a blessing. Um, and so um, we give because God first gave to us. And this year we split the Christmas offering up three ways. One way was to get a washer and dryer for Elisha's house. Um, we're having to do all the laundry and towels and sheets and blankets every night. And, and um, as, you, as Eugene said, I mean, I'm, I'm so thankful that we were able to be open during this cold stretch. We had uh, between 8 and 10 people every night staying um, here that didn't have anywhere else to go. Um, and so that's just a blessing that that was able to, to, to happen. So uh, that was part of the offering. Part of the offering we want to use for the Freedom Firm, which is in India, uh, based in India that rescues girls out of sex trafficking. And we've got a local connection here. We've sent a mission team to work with them, uh, Leah and Evan Hink, that go here. Uh, they actually work for the Freedom Firm in India, and Leah is the current president uh, for the Freedom Firm. So uh, there's that connection. And then we want to use the rest for our Engage Fund. And so uh, the Engage Fund is what we use to be able to respond quickly to needs as they arise uh, here in our community, around the world, uh, if someone calls up and says, hey, can you help us with this need? We don't have to bring it up for a vote. We don't have to bring it up and say, let's do a, a, a special you know, a benefit dinner. We just, we just say, here's the money. And so that's what the Engage Fund is for. And so, so far, um, and this number will probably increase a little bit because some people mail in checks, and, we, and as long as they're postmarked by the end of the year, they count towards this. But after last Sunday, the total for the Christmas offering uh, was $15,113. So that's awesome. Um, so we'll get that distributed out this week to the different uh, areas, and uh, I'm just excited. And, and so with that being said, um, also for our budget here at Cornerstone, I, I'll mention that our giving this year, we met our budget, uh, which is always awesome. Um, yeah, you can clap for that too, right? Um, I know so many churches that are, have struggled financially, and um, we've met our budget, and setting our budget for next year, the elders and admin team have been working on it, and right now, uh, we're setting the budget about $25,000 uh, beyond what, we, what it was this year. So, 
uh, I want to encourage you to continue supporting our ministry here at Cornerstone. And uh, the truth is, everything costs more now, right? Inflation is hitting you guys. It's hitting us as a church. Um, and so we just to keep up with it, just to not cut ministries, we have to increase our budget. Um, and so uh, just I share that just because I, you guys have been so incredibly faithful to support what we're doing here. Uh, I just want to thank you for that. And so you can give online. You can give using the Church Center app. We've got offering boxes by either door. And we don't pass a plate here. So you're not going to be guilted or shamed into giving. But we want to encourage you to experience the blessings uh, that you'll get from giving. Um, and so that's, uh, I just encourage you to join in with what God is doing here and, 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 and support what we're doing. So that's, that's the update on our Christmas offering. Um, we're starting this new series called Onward. And really, when you think about it, when you decide to follow Jesus, it's a journey. Uh, and so this year, we're going to look at what that journey looks like. And especially this series, we're going to start talking about uh, how we start on that journey and how we know where we are and how we know where we're going and, and, and figuring out the directions to get there. And so that's really the basis for this series. And uh, I don't know about you guys, but it seems like um, when I travel now, I've become a little overly dependent upon GPS. Are you all that way too? Um, and so it used to be back in the day that when you went to a new city, you got a map. And for you young people, it's printed on paper. You open it up, and you kind of look at it, and you figure out this road goes here, this road goes here. And, and we, I remember like driving through Atlanta with Jennifer, and we figured out pretty early on in our marriage, uh, even while we were dating, that um, I needed to read the map and she needed to drive, all right? Because otherwise, it was just conflict. So, but you would, you, you would read the map, and we got stuck in, uh, in this traffic jam in Atlanta one time. All the, the, you know, the, the length, So we had to veer off, and I was like, okay, we go here, we turn left. And, but the hardest part on reading that map is knowing where you are, right? It's like figuring out on that map. It, there's no like flashing red light on that map that says you are here. And, and so you've got to look at the roads. You've got to look at the landmarks. You've got to figure out where you are. Now with GPS... Unless you're in a parking garage, which that actually happened uh, earlier this week. We're in a parking garage. We're like, which way did I go? I'm like, not sure. we got to get outside because it doesn't know where we are, right? Um, but you have to figure out where you are. And so as we go into this new year, it's so important, right, that we take a minute to say, where are we? Where are we as individuals? Where are we as a church? So that we can kind of set our directions going into the, to the, to the new year. Now, I'll just tell you in advance, God knows exactly where you are. But sometimes we aren't really self-aware enough to know where we are. And so we've got to take a minute uh, to do that. I, 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 I encourage you to, to take, a, take some time this week to really evaluate where am I spiritually? Where am I relationally with my family? You know, where, I, where am I in, in my church family and, and, and how I'm doing? But I'll give you a few updates about our church just... I, I, just to start off, I thought it was so important that we just talk about this past year a minute so we can establish where we are. Uh, one of the things that Eugene mentioned earlier was Elisha's house, and that's been so amazing to see that come to fruition and to see all that take place. And it started with some conversations in August, and just like what would it be like if we could uh, start something uh, just to provide you know, a safe a safe space to, to sleep when it's cold out. And, 
rooftop, uh, you know, at first we were going to have it there, and then the, the facility didn't work out, and I, and I was in the meetings. I'm like, well, why don't we do it at Center 242? And they came and looked, and I'm like, this would be perfect, and the city was on board, and uh, we got all the, the different pieces in place, and we had multiple churches involved and multiple agencies involved, and it's just been amazing to see that, that all take place. And so it could launch in November. And so, uh, you know, just to think about that, and, and that all was possible, right, because we were in a position to be able to respond quickly to a need that we saw. And that's because of you guys. I mean, that's, just, that's a testament to our church that we, and I'll just be honest, um, in the meetings, I volunteered our, our building and like, oh, y'all can use our building. And I didn't even ask anybody <laughs> I came back to the elders and said, um, guys, I hope you don't mind, but I just volunteered us to be the host for this big thing. And they're like, well, let's do it. I mean, I brought it to the admin team. They were like, yeah, let's do it. I mean, and it's not, it's just because that's the attitude we have here. So I love that. Um, there's other things as we look back through this year. We had block parties throughout the spring and early summer, and we were able to go out in the community and meet so many people. And that led into Praising in the Park, which was awesome this year which is our big community-wide Bible school down in Phelps Park. We uh, picked back up our community meals, and we just had one this past week. And so uh, just thinking about being able to, to meet people and, and have that fellowship with each other is so important. We had our great baptism service out uh, back on the river this year, which was so good just to be on, on the river and celebrate that. Um, if you look at our attendance throughout the year, it has steadily increased throughout the year. And so our largest attended Sundays have been the last few weeks, really leading up into Christmas and through November and December. Um, and so I just look at all of that, and I would just say that I feel like we are positioned now to go into this year ready to continue making disciples. I feel like God has got us in a place uh, where we are, uh, are just ready to go, ready to launch into this new year. And so instead of pulling back, instead of cutting ministry, instead of reducing what we spend, instead of uh, saying, well, guys, we can't, we can't do No, we're like, how can we continue expanding ministry? And, and so that's where we are. And it's just like I, I feel like God's telling us, you've got to buckle up, hold on, because it's going to be a ride, right? We've got to be ready for where he's going to take us. And, and you never know that Elisha's house was such a good example of that. That wasn't even on our radar screen, and it went from a meeting in August to all of a sudden we're open in November, right? And God can do that, but the, the, the reality is we've got to be ready for it. And that kind of brings me into a mission, what, we're, what we've been sharing, what we're working together to do, and it, it's simply this. This is our mission. We're working together to make disciples of Jesus who transform their world. That's what we're about here at Cornerstone. That, that's, our, that's our mission. We want to work together. We want to make disciples. We, wanna, we want you then to go and in turn transform the world you live in. And, and so uh, we've always had that kind of threefold mission as a church that we want people to experience new life in Christ. We want to equip them to follow Jesus. and We want them to engage with the world. And, and that's really what we're talking about here. Uh, we, we want you to, to, to be able to focus on your relationship with God and connect with other believers and then go out into the world. And so as a church, all three things are so vitally important. Um, and so how do we do that? How do we do that? That's, that's what this series is about. Um, um, 
at the beginning of the, the new year, um, I think we all start thinking about change, but we start thinking about it usually in physical ways. And, and so that's why you see so many people sign up to go to the gym in, in January. And like gym, gyms are packed all January, and then by February they're empty, right? Um, it's because everybody's like, i got to go work out, i got to lose weight. And, uh, you know, and, and so you, you get, and we think about change in physical terms, or we think about, uh, I'm going to read my Bible, so I need a, I've got to find a Bible reading plan. And so we pick out a Bible reading plan, or if you're like me, you're like, uh, maybe you're like, I've got to figure out a system to keep organized, uh, or maybe it's buying a new to-do planner, you know, a planner book, or maybe it's doing something on your computer. But we, we think in terms of let's physically get our lives in order. Um, and, and so that's part of it, right? But the, the greatest change we can experience is when we have a change of heart. And the truth is, right, nothing we do physically, I mean, it, it, it's not going to stick. It's not going to last if our heart's not in it. If we don't set our heart on the right destination to start with. And, and so we have the wrong perception sometimes, I think, about discipleship. Because we think about discipleship as a uh, something physical. I, I need to go to this class. I need to, to do this. And we think of discipleship pure, just like we do working out or losing weight. We think of it as a system instead of a transformed heart. And so I, I want to challenge us a little bit. Um, and, and our theme for this year, as we go through, we, we try to pick a theme and, and to think about what God is leading us to do this year. Here's the theme I want to focus on. It's just simply transformation. It's transformation. So what is transformation? I, I think one of the best ways to define it is first go to Scripture. So in Romans 12, 1 and 2, this is what we read. It says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. Let them be a living and a holy sacrifice, the kind He will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship Him. So don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God what? Transform. Let God what? Transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. This is a type of transformation we need. It's an inside-out transformation because God changes the way we think. It, he just doesn't change what we do. He changes who we are. Right? Let me, let me read it in the message because I think I love how Eugene Peterson paraphrases it here. He said, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you, right, take your everyday ordinary life. Take your ordinary everyday life. You're sleeping. You're eating. You're going to work. You're walking around life. And you place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best out of you and develops a well-formed maturity in you. I love how he, he puts that because it kind of makes us understand, uh, right, this is what it looks like to, to give your life as a living sacrifice. 
It's laying down those everyday moments and saying, God, what am I going to do? God, where do you want me to go? God, what do you want me to say? God, how can I spend time with you to know your heart so that you can influence how I live? So you can challenge me. Now, what's interesting about that, that's in Romans 12. And up until that point in Romans, uh, what we have in Romans is this whole treatise, really, on on what salvation is. This is how you can have a relationship with God. This is how you can be made right before God, how you can be justified, how your sins can be forgiven. This is why Jesus came. And so you have those verses. We call it the Romans road to salvation, right? Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 5.8, God demonstrates his own love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Right? Romans 10.9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can even go back to Romans 5, 1, where it says, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's uh, sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. So you have all these verses that lay out God's plan for how we can be forgiven. You see the problem that we're separated from God because of our sin, and the, the penalty for that is death. But you also see the solution that God has sent Jesus to rescue us from our sin. And while we were still sinners, that Christ died for us. And so you have all of this theological information in Romans. And then you get to Romans 12. The the verses I just read a a minute ago, right? Therefore, and and in light of all of this stuff about salvation, now here is how you live. Here's how you live a different life. Here's how you live a transformed life. So he says, present your bodies to God as a living sacrifice. He says, don't be conformed to this world. Uh, Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. All of this kind of comes together now in Romans 12, and it goes on to kind of lay out the life of a disciple. And then the rest of the book kind of explains that. And, And so I love how it goes from the theological to the practical. And so I feel like that's kind of where we we are, right? If we want to talk about transformation, uh, we've got to go back and say, uh, let's, let's, let's allow God to transform us. Now, Merriam-Webster, the dictionary says, transformation is a complete or a major change in someone or something's appearance or form. Uh, But the biblical meaning has a lot more to do than just our outward behavior or our appearance. What is transformation? Here's how I would say it's transformation, right? It starts when we allow God to change us from the inside out to be more like Jesus. This is this is the transformation that I'm talking about. In the Bible, that word transformation, it means a change or renewal from a life that no longer conforms to the ways of the world to one that pleases God. It's used here in Romans 12. It's also used uh, when Jesus is transfigured or transformed before the the disciples. And so it's not used that that often, but the the Greek word is metamorphahu. Now say that three times fast, right? And it's the same root word that we get our word metamorphosis from. 
That, that's the type of transformation, a complete change, right? When we think of metamorphosis in biology, we think of a, a caterpillar, that, right? That, that it completely transforms from a caterpillar to a beautiful butterfly. Complete transformation. And, and so that's really, right, when we think about that's the type of transformation that happens to us. Uh, Paul talks about this in, in 2 Corinthians a lot. He says, um, I love this verse, and it's one we don't focus on enough sometimes. 2 Corinthians 3.18. So all of us have had that veil removed so that we can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. Right? Our job is to reflect God's glory. There, there was one version that, that used to, to translate this, that, that we are brightly uh, polished mirrors that reflect the glory of God. Uh, and the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. This is a transformation. As we walk with Jesus, as we spend time with Jesus, it's like that mirror becomes polished more and more, so our life reflects Jesus more and more. When people look at us, um, if we're living the right way, they're going to see Jesus in us and through us. They're going to, if you live your life the right way, you're getting out of the way so that Jesus can be glorified. You're not living your life to exalt yourself. You're not living your life to say, look at me and, and how awesome I am. You're not living your life so that people walk away and, and, and see See, you, you, you want them to walk away and say, man, I could see Jesus in him. I, I can see Jesus in her because just the way they talk and because of their attitude and because of how they think and because of how they serve, because of how they love. Paul goes on in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. He says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new person. Right? He's a new person, new creature. The old has passed away. Uh, the old life is gone. A new life has begun. This is the transformation we're talking about. And, and so as we go into this new year, my, my question to you, as you look at your life right before Jesus and, and after Jesus, so to speak, do you see that transformation? Do you see that complete uh, metamorphosis from the old to the new? Or do you just see kind of some, just a few things here and there that are a little different? Have you really allowed God to transform the way you live? I'm afraid, right, statistics tell us, right, when you look at all these studies that Gallup and Barna and everybody does, and, and they'll show time and time again that there's just not this huge difference between the morality of people who claim to follow Jesus and people who don't. And so you look at that and you're like, there's not a dramatic transformation. Why is that? It's because we're not being changed from the inside out. It's because we're focused more on behavior modification. We're focused more on doing what's trying to, to do our checklist of what's right and wrong instead of allowing God to transform us from the inside out. Uh, in Ephesians, Paul uh, talks about this. And uh, he, he said this. He said uh, in Ephesians 3, this is a, a neat chapter because this is what he, when he looks at the church, this is how he prays for it. And this is what he sees in the church. He says, when I think of all of this, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious, 
unlimited resources. He will empower you with inner strength through His Spirit. That's where transformation comes from. It's the inside out. It's the strength that we, uh, that we can't do on our own, but we need the Spirit working in us and through us. Then Christ will make His home in your hearts as you trust in Him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And you may have the power to understand, as all God's people should, right, how wide and how long and how high and how deep His love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God, who is able through His mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we can ask or think. Glory to Him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Isn't that a prayer for us as we go into the new year? As we launch into the new year that we really spend time with God in such a way that we can experience how wide and how long and how high and how deep His love is. May our roots grow down deep into His love. And then that's what changes us. It's not guilt. It's not shame. It's not regret. What changes us is God's love as He works in us to transform us to be more like Jesus. And I'll just tell you, if we focus on that, it's going to change this church dramatically. Because that leads me to my next point. Strong churches have people with deep roots. Now, you'll see a lot of churches, um, and some struggle, some may on the outside may look healthy, but it, their roots aren't really deep. Because when the heat comes, right, when, when the pressure comes, when the environment changes, they're not able to be healthy. And so when conflict comes, what happens? It's like everybody turns on each other and starts bickering and arguing, and arguing or, 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 you know, or, or you see people uh, like it's like, you know, when the pressure comes on, you see them turn back to old sinful ways in their life and and the reason is, is they don't have deep roots. Because deep roots will sustain you through your hard times. They'll sustain you through conflict. They'll sustain you right through whatever that Satan throws your way because you're able to withstand it because you're trusting, you're, you're nourished, you're believing on God's truth. And you're changed from the inside out. So you're able to do what you normally wouldn't be able to do on your own. And so strong churches have people with deep roots. And, um, and so we need deeper roots as a church. And it's not because, and I don't say that because I see conflict or I see, I just say that every church needs to be able to say that, right? Everyone, we all should be able to say we need deeper roots this year. One of the things the, el the elders do here at Cornerstone each year is we get away, and usually in November, uh, October, November, we get away for a few days. And just pray, we talk, we plan, we dream, we, uh, we kind of lay out what God is sharing, is speaking to us and what we need to do about it. Um, uh, and, and, and so we kind of lay out our vision for each year and pick out some things we want to focus on and get better at. Um, and so a couple, of, I'll just share a few of these things that, uh, that came up in our conversation this year. One of the things that we want to do better at is do some theology training. 
We feel like we need to, to, to provide some way for us to go a little bit deeper in our theology. So we're still working on the mechanics of what that's going to look like. But expect to see some opportunities to grow deeper in your understanding and knowledge of Scripture this year. Uh, so that's one of the, the ways. Um, one of the other areas we want to, to work on this year is our men's ministry. Now, uh, I'll just tell you this, ladies, you can, um, you can gloat a little bit, but the men are jealous right now. They see you guys go out on your ladies' retreats and all your, your women's Bible studies, and the, the men are like, we want to do that too. So I'm, we're, we're going to work on that this year. Um, and so we've got a men's retreat scheduled in May. We don't know exactly the details of it yet, but uh, we're, you know, the, the ladies, I don't know what you guys do on your retreats, go shopping, whatever, eat. We'll do go-karts, go shoot guns. We'll do something fun. We're not going to go shopping. Uh, unless it's Bass Pro Shop or something. But um, it's going to be different, but we're going to have fun, and we're going to get in God's Word together. So uh, that's coming up in May. Uh, we want to expand some of our uh, other ways to, to reach men, and, and not just men, our, our teenage uh, guys as well. So uh, that's one of the things. Uh, we want to keep expanding what we call our community space. That's something we started this year on Tuesdays. Um, here at the church, we just open up Center 242 during the day for anybody that wants to come and hang out. And uh, it's been remarkable to see uh, kind of the community develop around that. Uh, but we want to keep thinking about ways that we can build community outside of Sunday morning. Uh, so that's one of the things that we're, we're working on. Our recovery ministry. Uh, we're still working on getting that fully launched and off the ground. But uh, what we really need is people to say, hey, I want to be part of this ministry. I want to be part of it. And it's not just recovery from drugs or alcohol. Right? We're all recovering from the ways we've been hurt and, and maybe some things that have happened in your past. And uh, all the, there's all this that we've got baggage that we're carrying along that we need to get rid of. And so if you want to be part of that recovery ministry, we, we would love for you to join us. And then um, we also want to focus on leadership development. Um, now, I'll just share this and... This is more anecdotal, but I've seen it happen so much over the years. Is I see churches struggle because the churches age with the pastors. And what I mean by that is you look and the church just every year gets a little older and older and older and older. Now, I've been pastor here now for 15 years. Um, and um, I may look all young and youthful and... Um, but I'm turning 50 this year, right? And that, that doesn't, that doesn't kind of, that makes me realize a little bit, we've got to be investing in training the next generation of leaders to come behind us. Um, and I'm not just talking about teenagers. I'm talking about the 20-somethings and 30-somethings and 40-somethings, right? Because they're all younger than me now. Um, we've got to work on, on developing them and, and equipping them and the pro, and so many churches, and, and, I'll, and I'll kind of push back, they'll say, young people just don't go to church anymore. Well, if you look around here, we've got a lot of young people at this church. We've got a lot of babies at this church. We've got a lot of young 20-somethings at this church. The problem is not that young people won't go to church. The problem is there is not a place for them at those churches. There's not a seat at the table for them. And so as a church, we've got to continue saying, here, get involved. Here, you can serve. Here, you're, you're part. And this church is for all generations, right? But everyone has a seat at the table. And so we're going to continue working on how we can develop young leaders. 
And what that means is that we want a church with people full of deep roots who can continue to, to love God and love others, that can continue to serve and um, that can carry us through whatever Satan throws our way. And so I, I'm just, it's amazing to me, and I'll just, say, I'll, um, I'll just say this, right? I feel like our church is healthier now than it's ever been. I feel like God has positioned us in a way that we can, uh, we can dream, you know, He can do infinitely more than we can ask or think, that we can dream or imagine. But we have got to be responsive. We've got to have deep roots. And when we have those deep roots, when we have that stronger church, what does that lead to? A stronger church leads to a transformed community. A stronger church leads to a transformed community. I want to keep going in Ephesians a little bit um, uh, because it talks about how this kind of plays out and how this works out. In Ephesians 4, uh, Paul says this. He says, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Uh, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one Spirit, just as you have been called into one glorious hope for the future. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. However, He's giving each of you a special gift through the generosity of Christ. We all have spiritual gifts to use. He's brought us all together so that we can accomplish more together than we ever could individually. And if you skip ahead a little bit, he even talks about how leaders, are, how we're positioned to help bring out those gifts. He says these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and to build up the church the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we may be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we'll no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we're going to speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of of his body the church he makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love man what a word for today what a word that we have from god just to, to encourage us as leaders our job is to equip the people equip the saints for the work of the ministry he lays out five roles of leadership. And I just want to briefly mention this. He mentions the apostles, right? The apostles, the, the sent ones. Uh, they're, they're the ones who start new ministries. They're the ones who carry out the gospel into new contexts. They're the ones who go out and, can, and just aren't afraid of starting something new. He mentions the, uh, the, the prophets. These are the people that just know God's will. They're able to look at what's going on and able to, to, to discern what is right and what is wrong and, and where the church should be uh, ministering in, in what areas. And, and they're just able to see those things. And then he mentions the evangelist. These are the people 
who just have that gift of being able to, in every situation, share Jesus. Then you have the, uh, the shepherds or the pastors. They're, they're the ones that nurture. They're the, the ones that protect. They're the ones that provide care. Then you have teachers. They're the ones who are able to, to teach. And, and I'll just say I'm so thankful for a church where we see all these roles functioning. And again, a problem in so many churches is they expect one person to be able to fill every role. This is why I love that we have elders, because we have different roles, right? We have different gifts. We have different abilities. We, we come together. This is why it's important that other people besides me preach on Sunday morning. It's not just preparing the next generation. It's, it's helping all the gifts be uh, functioning inside of the church. And, and so the result, right, when, when you've got leaders like this, uh, the result is a, a transformed community and so i've got one last video that i want to show this morning and one of the things we want to do is just share more stories of how god is changing lives and we've talked a lot about transformation um so i want you to see a story of transformation this morning let's watch this my name is austin pinckney and i've been a christian for about seven years uh before christ I would say that my life was really marked by selfishness um, and I didn't realize it at the time and I kind of really fed those selfish desires, um, fed my selfishness with things like uh, drugs and pornography and ultimately that had a huge effect on my relationships, uh, especially with family. I neglected um, close family members and, uh, and all just to feed myself, feed my selfishness, do the things that I wanted to do. And uh, so, yeah, that's kind of what my life looked like then. Um, and uh, I, I had this sort of belief in God that was kind of, I thought was very profound at the time. Uh, but looking back, I see it's um, not really that profound. It's something that really, um, there's a lot of other people out there, sort of new agey spiritual kind of belief in God, very loose. Um, anyways, that was kind of where I was uh, myself spiritually, things I was doing, how I was sort of emotionally and everything. Um, that's kind of what my life looked like. And then um, when I was 24, uh, my dad asked me uh, to come up to Virginia with him to uh, work on some land that he bought, uh, cutting down trees, developing it, putting in, building roads and stuff on it. And uh, so I did. I moved in with my dad. And I remember finding this little um, Gideon Bible and opening up a reading, reading in uh, Matthew about John the Baptist. And I was like, man, this guy, this guy is cool. Like, I like John the Baptist. He's kind of, you know, kind of hippie like me. Like, he lives in the woods, eats locusts and wild honey. I thought that was pretty cool, you know. And uh, so I was asking my dad about John the Baptist, and he was telling me a little bit about him. Anyways, when I turned 25, uh, my dad got me a Bible, an actual Bible. Um, not that the Gideon Bibles aren't actual Bibles, but like, like with the full Bible, you know. And I started reading uh, in Matthew. I read through all the Gospels. And I remember, especially reading it like in the Sermon on the Mount, I was just really moved by it and realized that um, Jesus was not the person I thought he was. I had this idea of who I thought Jesus was. And when I read the Bible, I realized that was totally incorrect. And uh, what really stuck to me maybe was just the way Jesus loved people and uh, the way he, he served people around him. And that really resonated with me at the time. And so I started, of course, I was reading the Bible uh, at this point, I, I was actually up here in Virginia. We were going to Cornerstone. Uh, I joined a life group, and um, 
So that was something I needed. I had guys kind of walking beside me, uh, holding me accountable, uh, encouraging me, walking through some of the same stuff that I was going through, encouraging me in those ways. And we went through this uh, series on Galatians. I remember uh, Mike preaching on the book of Galatians and I really needed to hear all that. There was a lot of really good theology in there about grace that I really probably needed early in my walk. And then one day I just, I was praying. Um, so at some point in there, I started praying and I realized as I was praying, I believe this stuff about Jesus. I believe he is who he says he is. I believe he's the son of God um, and that it's only by his blood that we're made right with God. So um, that's whenever I, I guess somewhere in there is when I became a Christian, like it was kind of this snowball that God put a Bible in my hands and I started reading and, and from there just like grew and grew and grew until I couldn't deny it any longer. And I don't remember the day or the time, um, but I, just, I do remember that moment of prayer realizing, man, I believe this stuff. So now, um, I would say my life looks um, very different from what it looked like seven, eight years ago. Um, it's not that whenever I became a Christian, those struggles and the things that I did that were selfish went away um, overnight, but that I, they, have, they are changed now. Um, it was definitely a process, it was definitely tough, um, but God gave me what I need to get through those things and to conquer those sins in my life. Um, however, I would also say that now that like those sins have God has conquered, Christ has conquered those sins in my life, I would say that he's, he's continually pointing out how he wants to change me. Um, so, you know, maybe like frustration, like 10 years ago, I wouldn't have said I was an angry person, but now even recognizing like the way that sometimes like maybe I handle conflict or something, like I, I realized like I have worked to do, like God has um, work to do in me to make me more like him. So he's continually changing me. I, I always say that I need Jesus just as much now as the day that I was saved. And, uh, and I believe that's true until the day that, um, to, that God takes me home. So yeah, he's, he's continually changing me, continually making me uh, more like him. Austin's story. Go ahead and click on the next. Yeah, there we go. Next slide. Um, I love Austin's story, and um, Austin's here today somewhere. I don't know. You're back here. He's in the back. Yeah. Um, but I appreciate. You see. You see what happened, right? He got in God's word. You're right. God started speaking to him through His word. He got surrounded himself with other Christians and other other believers. He he came to church and started growing, and he came to Christ, and uh, he he started serving and. He's been uh, on mission trips now around the world. He's, uh, he's started a skate park ministry here in Galax. He uh, you know, has served in, in leading a life group for years, and, and now he's one of our elders here. You know, and you see the transformation that has taken place in his life. And I, I love that story because that's the kind of transformation that God does. He completely can change your life. I, I wanted to close you close this morning with a story um, about this journey we're on. And we've talked a lot about transformation. We've talked about how God changes from the inside out. So, so what is the role of the church? There's a book I read a few years ago by an author named Reggie McNeil, and it was a book called Missional Renaissance. And, and he talked about the church, and he compared it to an airport terminal. Let, let me share with you. I, I want to challenge your thinking about what church is for. He said, airport terminals are not destinations. 
No one stays in an airport overnight unless you travel with me because, unfortunately, it's happened a bunch. Uh, if they can help it, all right, the seats are hard, the lights don't go off, the public service announcements keep repeating. The reason for this is not, it's, that's not what airports are designed for. Airports are not destinations. They connect us to our destination. The church is not designed to simply be the destination of God's blessing, but to connect God's blessing to the rest of the world. That's deep, guys. I want you to think about that. If we thought of our buildings in those terms, we would not see the church as being confined to the building. People would come to the building in order to be connected to God and to one another, to be inspired, encouraged, healed, formed, not so that they can settle down and stay, but so they can continue their journey. Most of the church's life would be lived outside the building, where people live out their faith in their families, their places of work, their neighborhoods, and their communities. If we were to see the church in this way, we would continue to recognize the importance of buildings as gathering places, but we would be under no illusion that the point of being a church was to keep the building open or that our, or that, or that our main mission was to get people into the building. We would be more readily able to let go of them when, we, when they become too much to manage and more creative in finding other accommodations. Perhaps it would be a building we share with another congregation or a rented space or someone's home. We would still recognize the need for the meeting place, but we would see whatever building we had as simply a connector to help us to get to somewhere else. We saw this take place during COVID, right? It's not the building. Church is not the destination. This building is not your destination. We want you to get to where God is taking you on this journey of faith. One of the statements we've had in our literature for a while is that we aspire to be a hub of connection for our community, constantly connecting people with ministries and opportunities to take the love of Christ into our world. We want to be a hub of connection. We want to, we want to connect you uh, to, to opportunities to be able to share God's love with this world around you. And it starts on this journey with, that, with recognizing who Jesus is. Just as Austin talked about, it starts with coming to that place of belief where I say, I believe who Jesus is. I trust Him. I put my faith in Him. And so this morning, the praise team is going to come back up. We're going to pray, and I'm going to give you a chance to respond. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, today as we start out on this new journey into 2023, this journey of faith, Lord, help us to, uh, help us to, to have a heart of transformation. Help us to have that desire that we want this year to be different. Not just look different, but we want to be a different person. A person who looks more like Jesus, who loves more like Jesus, who leads more like Jesus. So Lord, we pray for that. We pray for that transformation to take place. Lord, we pray for every person listening online and every person in this room that they would know how deep and how wide your love is. That they would be able to know that Jesus, you and you alone, can, can save them. That you can rescue them from their past, from their sin, from their shame, from their guilt, and from their condemnation. If we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we believe in our hearts that God, you raised him from the dead, your word is clear that we'll be saved. Your word is clear. 
So right now, while every head is bowed, this is our opportunity to respond. This is our opportunity to make things right with God. So will you forgive us of our sin? Will you cleanse us from all unrighteousness? Will you change us and transform us from the inside out? Will you make us a new creation in Christ? Heavenly Father, we believe, we trust, we love you. So Lord, help us as a church to have deep roots that grow down deep into your love and help us to transform this community for the sake of the gospel. It's in the name of Jesus we pray this morning. Amen.